This is the one with a baby and bell. Doc partners up with Yaz. Die falls asleep in a pizza. And in ten don't blink. And the fugitive doctor has just one day left until retirement. It's called once, comma, upon time. <laughs> Here, Here we, we go. go. Whistle on our epic phrase. All through time and all through space. Whistle being an angel's hour. Darling cyber zoo and wow. Counting Sonic's rating apps. From the poor to the sublime. Eccleston to Whitaker. Let's agree it's about time. Who back when? Reviewing on you who there is. Back when subscribe and rate on iTunes, please. Rose and Donna, Amy Pond, Rory Clara, and beyond. Join, Join us on this side to see what other choice could there be. But who back when? Who back when? You bet your ass, here we go, podcast land. Hello, and welcome to yet another fantastic episode of Who Back When, a Doctor Who podcast. Or oh, Duck Pass, here we're going. Well, it had to end sometime. Oh. <laughs> What could you possibly be referring to? What kind of streak might you have in mind? Well, things were going so well, weren't they? Mm. Right? They were. Yeah. Everything was really promising. It, they still are. They still are. Full of promise. Yeah, there's yeah. a whole half a season left. Absolutely. And by season, I mean series. Did you see that next week on Doctor Who? Wow. Let's talk about that for a bit. I didn't. I actually stopped before then, deliberately. <laughs> Well, tonight we are discussing Once Upon Time, the Morty's Mindbenders of this season. (laughs) (laughs) But who are we? Well, I'm Leon, your humble host, and across the table, my humble co-host is none other than the one, the only, the legend, but yet still humble, Drew (laughs) Backwen. Hello, Drew. Hello, Leon. Hello, podcast land. Wow. Yeah, you seem to have given away your high-level thoughts already. Oh, yeah, yeah. My high-level is that this is not a Mm -hmm, mm high-level. Yeah, what's your high-level? My high-level is I really want to like it. Okay, yeah, fair. You know, I was was holding on tightly to that deer streak. (laughs) And there are good bits in this episode. Boy, are there a lot of bits in general. That's the thing. It is way too fragmented. The highest level possible review that I think we agree on is that this is way too fragmented. Yeah. It's easy to understand why I couldn't remember anything about this episode at all. I mean, another way of kind of framing that is what is accomplished. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think anything is. Oh, I'll give you some answers, but after the B-Scow. Great. <laughs> B-Scow, you say? Oh, let's get right to it! All right, then. <laughs> <laughs> Time for us to synopsize, lobify and summarize, so take a view and grab a brief and listen to this overview, this free-for-all. We like to call a bicycle chunk of who. Quicker than your run-of-the-mill multicolored crystalline space nemesis can snap his fingers, Doc has leapt into the fray and undone last week's cliffhanger. Her plan of action? To drag her new fam into a time storm, whatever that is. Suddenly everything goes out the window. Temporal cohesion, recall reliability, the kind of narrative restrictions that certain lesser showrunners might benefit from in order to thrive. You name it! But in their stead comes the hope of Doc regaining her lost past. As she gives it all to reclaim her roots, she must also fight to keep hold of her companions, and Binder, who have been scattered across each other's timelines. And intercutting this week's temporal mess is the story of Belle, or so we're told, she's barely in it. And who is Belle anyway? Isn't this meant to be her story? 
Point is, across this fragmented clip show, we also learn that the Daleks and Cybermen, like the Sontarans before them, are scavenging lives across a failing universe, so adventure must surely lie ahead. Beastcow over. You are welcome. Yes, aren't you just? Or as this episode would have it, come, ah, well, you. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, that's... that. That makes sense as a sentence. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Mm. I have a million questions for you. Yeah. But at the top of all of them, I must ask, how many unanswered questions do you have? (laughs) Actually, I didn't prepare that many because this whole episode is kind of one giant one. That is true, yeah, sure. It's an unanswered question wrapped in an enigma, wrapped in a mystery, wrapped in a half-assed hand wave. Well, I certainly agree with the last bit there, yeah. <laughs> right. Well, maybe it was one and a half-assed. Maybe they put too many asses into it and they had to edit it frantically down and what we got was this AI mashup of several asses, like with extra fingers and... Well, you can never have too many asses or too many fingers, in my opinion. <laughs> Just us pants <laughs> for half of that, you know. The okay. fingers bit, right? The fingers, yeah. Okay. I'm assuming. We don't know. Fuck it. I'm sure Tans agrees with me that you can never have too many asses. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Why don't we start at the very, very top? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Last week's episode mm-hmm. ended with a cliffhanger. Yes, it An did. incredibly dramatic cliffhanger. Indeed. We even heard the, wow, what, what else is there to do? Yes, And I believe, in fact, nay, I know, one of our reviewers, Kieran Evans, thanks, Kieran, ended his listener mini by saying, good that you can hear the click of the fingers so you can't do the old cop out of weight. So the click has been accomplished. The click Uh, should not be able to be undone. No, of course not. Of course not. And at an absolute maximum, I might give Doc enough time to just step on the platform and become another one of them. Yes. We may even have discussed this last time that, okay, well, the only option she has is to now spend eternity facing Yaz while they're both locked there because if either one of them steps away, Yaz is going to explode and time will implode or whatever else. This is ringing a bell. Yeah. Not that bell. A bell that makes a sound. So by the time when this episode starts, remind me actually, do we hear the snapping of fingers at the start of this episode? I don't think it's quite at the start because i think it is entirely retconned we start on the doctor soft focus analyzing the situation swarm is in front of her saying his oleaginous monologues and she's weighing everything up she's deciding upon a course of action and then quite differently to the last shots of last episode where it was framed on his fingers with the doctor stationary behind now she's running yeah not only is she leaping running, she leaps picks up dan manages to place him on a pedestal apparently like this is a full-grown human man like he can't just be thrown there like she can't get a three-point shot out of him <laughs> He has to, in some way, assent to this course of action. Is there no discussion? No, he's just there. And she is on somewhere else around this circular arena. And no, it's completely undone. And what actually annoys me is not the fact that this happened. What annoys me is that the episode is saying, we are fucking with time. Anything is possible. And it doesn't use that as the rationale for how she did it. Yeah, that's a very fair point. It, if you're going to do it, join the two things together. Like, have her somehow reverse engineer causality. Because she's the Doctor. 
this feeds into my one of my questions. It's not unanswered necessarily, but it's like, what the hell is the Doctor doing throughout this episode? She she screams and she's pulled places, but we have no sense of what she is actually achieving, whether it's her biology, which she mentions, or whether it's some sort of mental feat that is allowing her to do this. I I didn't get any sense. I couldn't relate to what on earth she might be doing. No, I'm in complete agreement with The flip side of that is, how does she start to do it? Yes. So she pulls them into a time storm. A, what is a time storm? (laughs) B. (laughs) I guess it's time running wild, but that is the exact same thing you just said. (laughs) We are, I think, led to believe in the last episode that time flows through this particular platform. And the Mori, the Mori, the Mori stand on this platform and act as... Maybe not conduits, but almost like rudders. So yeah, they're yeah. there, time flows through them, and they make sure that time is perceived is, as linear or whatever it is. Perceived as linear and has a relation to space. Yeah, which, it, let's get to that. Oh, yeah. Please. Uh, it, Chibbers needs to cool it. <laughs> <laughs> but, and maybe this is just, you know what? Maybe this is a sign that I am a very banal individual and I need banal Marvel-style storytelling told to me. But this is something you've objected to previously, so I highly doubt it. (laughs) Thank you. And I'm very biased and I also disagree with my past self. But it's not like there's a portal on this platform. They're all standing on the platform. So what is it that she does? Like, how do they enter the time stream? It's not like you... There's not like a chemical reaction or whatever. There's not a switch that she flips. How do they enter it? I don't know. My next question I suddenly thought of is, who are the Mori? What are the Mori? And I get that in Doctor Who you can have aliens of every kind of stripe and persuasion and whatever, but what equips them to be able to stand there and do this thing? And and apparently there are just more waiting in reserve. They seem fundamental to the universe's functioning. And yeah. some of them are just in reserve. We've only just heard of them and we will never hear of them again. No. <laughs> um, and that is also classic Doctor Who, sometimes literally. It, that is but, true. But this is on par with Stephen Burkoff as the tally. Like, yes. Like a sub-layer that is essential to the universe that just gets picked up and dropped. Yeah. And it's so vast that you can't do that. That that this is unbounded in its scope, essentially. This points the way to a much bigger, more interesting thing. And then we're just left gaping at the void. Yeah, quite literally. Yeah. There are Mori inside of the time stream as well. Those gigantic ones. Are yeah, the, in the super-sized Mori. Yeah. Well, uh, why are they there? Are they the Mori who are standing on the platform? I think so. In which case, why aren't Swarm and Azure messing with them? Why didn't they just get rid of them all? Okay, so, you know what? I don't want to get ahead of... I don't want us to get ahead of ourselves, but... We're starting to sound like a bitty third act of a... <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> this is a very fragmented episode yeah, so over far. The place. Oh my god, what happens? You just asked, why don't Swarm and Azor mess with the Mori up top on the planet, time? Yeah, they don't seem to be fans of the Mori. That applies to the entire episode. Like, why are... Why do they leave at the end? Oh, yeah, and where do they go? Well, they can go anywhere. But why do they leave? They fucking won. They've won everything. <laughs> but at the same time, they've also kind of lost because 
the universe is is back to where it was? Okay, so at the end of last week's episode, we're told, listen, if we don't have Vinda and Yaz on this platform, there isn't enough life, sentient life guiding time through whatever, the boss. Whatever. Atropos. Atropos. The temple of Atropos. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And at that point, yeah, where are the other Mori, the ones in reserve? Yeah. So uh. now <laughs> they are no longer on that platform because right. now they're in the time stream. Arguably, the time stream is more unwieldy than before. There aren't new people on the platform guiding time. Oh, but I thought... And we learned that time is dis- being disrupted all over the universe, probably because they're no longer on the platform. I thought that new Mori were recruited. Were they? The supersized Mori, at some point late in the episode, said, Yes, Doctor, what you said before, getting new Mori, what a great idea. Wish we'd thought of that. They are now ready to go into place. Wait, really? I, I missed that. I think so. Well, in that case, I've already written a score. I'm going to deduct point two, because that is monumentally (laughs) dumb. Yeah, the Doctor says, I wish things were still broken because I could put it back together. You know, I had a chance while it was broken. Vinda says, well, the Maury, they're all back. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that is is some lazy shit. Wow. Mm. No, you know what? I'm deducting another point one. No, why not? Yes, yes. We have done as you asked, Doctor. We have returned four Mori to your time. Oh, even though you were screaming as you watched your brethren be disintegrated. Yeah. Like, yeah, you no, didn't think at that point... No biggie. Yeah. You could just summon more of them. If you can just summon more of them, why did some Mori need to be smuggled in inside of a Trojan passenger? Oh, the back first in, time around. Back in... Exactly. Yeah. That was, I guess, because... Old Swarm, back then. Yeah. They they were doing it right the first time. They were like, yeah, we don't want any more. We don't want any space at all. It's going to be all time, no space, or, or whatever the hell. <laughs> whatever this means. things yeah. were. Yeah. <laughs> but this time, they're fine with it. Yeah. I don't get it. Mm. And also, not only that, not only are they fine with it, but it's worked out exactly as they wanted because we knew what you would do, Doctor. <laughs> yeah, and then they leave having accomplished nothing. Yeah. Just like no one else accomplishes anything. Ah, now this brings us back to the first pre-B-Scow hint of something I was going to say. Uh-huh, yeah. What this episode does, in its very roundabout kind of way, yeah. is it justifies Vinda a bit it's why should we root for vendor yeah because he's a solid dude he spoke up against injustice he was out in the arse end of nowhere in the outpost because he he did the right thing knowing the potential consequences yes i agree with that to a point mm-hmm. and i will add to that also in in favor of your argument he is humanized the same way that in a better way even but same kind of humanization that we get in prior Chibber's episodes of, hey, I have a family member who cares about me, so I'm worth rooting for. Oh, of course. Because we have Belle. Yeah, two family members in Two family members. Yeah. Sure. By the way, question right. for you. Sorry, slight tangent. Yeah, How <laughs> long do you reckon their species is pregnant for? Because he says, oh, we've been apart forever. She's still, like, just preggers. Doesn't seem like they've been apart that long. Doesn't seem like she's even showing very much. They, yeah, he, uh, oh, yeah, anyway, okay, right, back to point one. <laughs> yes, he did the right thing, he stood up to some kind of despotic ruler, the serpent, whatever, yada, yada, The yada. grand serpent, yeah. 
And what it achieves for me is every time he now appears on screen, I'll be like, oh, okay, you have some right to be here rather than this guy again. But, yes, I see what you're saying, but by the same token, I also now can't help but think, well, you must have been a bit of a shit up because... What what kind of promotion is this? You are a legendary warrior. You have saved so many of your, of your peers. You have rescued us as a species. You're a tremendous strategist. Mm-hmm. We will now promote you to the role of pressing the record button in a Zoom call. That's his <laughs> job. And he, by the way, fails at it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I mean, point one. Uh-huh. Being, like, the PA to the emperor, he probably envisaged being more of a grand vizier kind of thing. He thought, oh, I'll be in the room where it happens. I'll be taken into the confidence of a man who determines the fate of galaxies. Yeah, but that's what was going on in his mind. What was going on in the minds of his superiors and the HR department that led him on this career change was something else entirely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you showed a speck of backbone. You are clearly not the man for the job. Yeah. The dude, the bald guy slash Yaz, who (laughs) who gives her that job. Mandip Gill's acting in that scene is atrocious. Mandip Gill. Yeah. Let's put a pin in Mandip Gill. (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) we know you're not listening, so I feel free to say that. Wow. Maybe she's doing an impression, but it seemed really stilted. I had actually forgotten about her performance in that. In that particular character. She plays another character as well. When they... At the Siege of Atropos, she plays another character. Sorry, this is a yeah, massive fragmented tangent. Yeah, and I like that tangent. much better. Yeah, but... Oh, yeah, but... But I was going to say, she barely gets to play a part there either. Um, I was like, she basically is yazzed, even when she isn't yazzing. Mm. So I did feel a little bad for her. Anyway, I, wait, hang on. Yeah, what were we talking about? Back to Vinda getting yep. a promotion to do nothing. Mm-hmm. Because the people shifting his career to this... They know exactly what his next job is going to be. They know that he is not going to be influencing policy. They know exactly what this job entails. Yeah, the guy well, even says... himself in for. Slash Yaz. Yeah, exactly. Even says he's a bit tricky, the serpent. Yeah, he's very demanding. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but yeah. all despots are some degree of demanding. <laughs> Lavinda was just a bit naive. Well, quite, Yeah. <laughs> Which he, you would be, wouldn't you? You'd, you'd be pretty full of yourself if you were top in every single stream at the Academy. <laughs> but you think the world is my oyster. I would say the logic of, of... There's absolutely no evidence of what you're claiming here, Mr. Vinder, if that is your real name. Right, yeah. The recording of the Grand Serpent's meeting ends thus. Well, it looks like we've come to an agreement on one condition. You can stop the recording now, Vinder. Shut it off. Was my order unclear? There's absolutely no <laughs> questions <laughs> around any of that. Why is Vinder given a job after that? Like, why, why is he put in charge of... He's not just put in a gulag somewhere in space Siberia. He's given an actual job. Here, you're aboard a satellite which has an escape pod and all kinds of shit, you know. <laughs> You have to send a message about what you see out the window every day. Mm-hmm. Why? Just, you know, maybe Putin the guy. Like, have him fall out a window or something. Well, that's exactly what the Grand Serpent does with his enemy's family members. Yeah. But I think it's more personal. This guy was in the room with him. He wants to send him as far as humanly or non-humanly, goodness knows, possible for the rest of his life, like... Well, some people survived the gulag. This is space Siberia. 
Okay, I and suppose that is actually a fair yeah, point. It's yeah. a fate worse than death. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right, that is fair. Mm. Why give him an escape pod? <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> that I can't answer. That's like, we've put you in this gulag in Siberia, and by the way, you're also in charge of a bobsled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And here's a husky. Yeah. <laughs> But only to be used in emergencies. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I see what you're saying about Yaz as the old soldier. All she did was indicate that there was some camaraderie between the three. Yeah. Vinda gets the proper acting chance. Vinda and Dan Stevens, they get to do stuff. Yeah. When they're not Vinda and Dan Stevens. Mm-hmm. Yaz just looks badass with a gun and walks across screen. Yeah. We identified at the end of... War of the Sontarans. Yeah. That Dan was being set up as the main character of this arc. Because we equated the first two episodes to Act 1. And he literally answered a call to adventure. Yes. When the Doctor says, do you want to come with me in the TARDIS? I mean, you might call it an adventure. Or you might call it just casting around looking for some kind of coherence. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, all right. Absolutely. I'm, I'm up for that. I don't give a shit about that woman I was going on a date with. Fast forward to this episode. All I give a shit about is that woman I was going, uh, going on a date with. <laughs> <laughs> and whether her dates were in fact dates or not dates. Mm. Okay. If your pizza had dates on it, that's just too much. I'm done. Okay, this brings me to a section I would like to call Rendezvous or Rendezvous. <laughs> <laughs> All this gets better and better. If you're on a pseudo date with someone you really fancy, like really, really fancy, after you have told them that you were once engaged and you were effectively left at the altar, right? My heart was broken. Do you or do you not add, and I will quote Dan Stevens here, God, I loved her. She was dynamite in the sack. (laughs) (laughs) Did you not also find that super awkward? He's like, oh my God, I was so in love with her. Oh, she was great. And the sex was incredible. Why would you say this? You're on a date, Dan Stevens. You are on a date. (laughs) Is your surname Namite? Because if not, (laughs) there's no way you can measure up. Yeah. Oh dear. And and yeah, you get to see her acting with nothing. There was a lot of that in this episode. Belle did it, the doctor did it, Di is also doing it. Dan, I can't get to you. Oh no. And Dan's like, Die, all I've ever wanted is to be right next to you. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't turn me away. I love her, except I can't say it. But oh, oh no. I live here as much as I love Liverpool. Oh, BBC is going to sue us for all of these sound bites. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'll, I'll stop putting them in. Hey all, <laughs> <laughs> like I did with my ex-girlfriend, my fiance. Oh dear. Mm, where were we? Where are we going? Uh, I don't know. Dan Stevens on his dates. Yeah. I mean, she's fine. She's she's okay. Yeah. She plays a bigger part later on. I think. Yes, she has to be rescued from within a passenger. Exactly. I was going to say, I think we go into a passenger. Like, we get to see what it looks like inside. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. I guess Dan had a bit to do in this episode, John Bishop. But like you say, a lot of the time he was playing Carvinista, kind of. This is one of my other questions. Is that actual Carvinista, or is this just another puppy person? I. It's not said for sure, but there is a point where the Doctor grabs the axe and says, I've seen one of these before, and he becomes Carvanista with the same voice and everything, and we know that... But we might also just be racist here and all dog aliens look the same. Possibly! 
We know that Carvinista was a member of Division, though. Okay, I'm going to look in the transcript and see if it says... Yep, Carvinista. Yeah. Well, you know the rule. Don't touch what you can't afford. Carvinista. So so this weirds me out a little bit. Because I was under the impression... Okay, first off, seems like a bit of a coinkydink, unless Division is tiny. Seems like a little bit of a coinkydink that Doc and Carvinista were actually on the same team. and Oh, and he's the only one left that she exactly. can find in the universe. In the entire universe, they happen to be teammates, and he doesn't recognize her or doesn't want to recognize her. Like, wh- Slash is shooting at her, wants to yeah. kill her. Why does Flux the season start with her about to be executed in a redonkulously, hilariously elaborate way by Carvinista, instead of him just going... Doc! Oh, my God! <laughs> I haven't seen you in ages! Yeah. Oh, come here. Let me buy you a bowl of water. <laughs> <laughs> and some kibble. Like, why, why isn't... Why is there antagonism there? Why wouldn't that be a happy reunion? And sub-question part two... Mm. Did you not also get the impression... I can't believe that I didn't ask this question like two or three episodes ago, but didn't you also get the impression that Division was a Time Lord thing? Yes, and we did cover this, and I said they would send other species in as cannon fodder because they were above it. Oh, I see. Okay, sorry. No, I've forgotten that. Yeah. All right. I can't answer question A. What I will say is that little sequence where you see Old Swarm, like because you're led to believe that it's the future. Doc, Yaz, and Dan, and Vinda are storming. That's a super nice transition, by the way. Yeah, like, we think that loads of time has passed, and this has been set up somehow, and she's somehow caught up with her future, and then you see Old Swarm, and you're like, oh, wait. That's what he looked like before he... Yeah. Yeah. And just as I was processing that, Joe Martin appeared in the reflection, and it was so well-timed. Yeah, that is beautifully done. Yeah. Yeah. Well done, Chibbers and the BBC production team. Yeah. And I was really enjoying that until Doc and Joe Martin had exactly the same interaction they did in Fugitive of the Jadoon. Oh, yeah. When I'm like, you should be advancing the mystery and we're stuck on further introductions. Like, I want to learn stuff at this point, not just go round the houses <laughs> over and over again for the third series in a row or whatever. Yeah. But I will say that it was really nice also that Dan was the dog. Like, he was the species-bonded version of himself. Yeah, that's a nice touch. A very nice touch. Right. There are plenty of directions we can take this in. We can stay with Joe Martin's original Atropos whatever thingy. Did you buy them as bad guys, blah, blah, blah? Does the Trojan horse thing actually work? Wait, hang on. Yes, that's another case of, oh, fuck it, we've got however many Mori we need. Yes. There are Mori in this passenger. Well, those are the Mori who we met originally, who were standing on the platforms. They are the ones who take over after Swarm and Azura first bested. Oh, those? Oh, I see. Because so those are the same Mori that Doc brought in, or Division brought in inside a passenger. Yes. Okay, how do you feel about this plan? I feel like Swarm and Azure could touch literally any passenger, including the one with the Mori inside exactly. it. That's, that's, yeah, absolutely. They've yep. killed so many passengers already. Statistically speaking, they might as well have killed that passenger already. Mm. But also, when they find out that that's about to happen, why not just kill it? Yeah, leap over and do your disintegration trick on it while the Doctor is saying, Come on, Mori, this is your time. Mori, come on down. If Odysseus had climbed out of the <laughs> horse 
<laughs> and loudly and publicly proclaimed, Hey, Trojans! <laughs> it's us! We're the Greeks! This horse is about as hollow as a lint bunny, and it's full <laughs> of soldiers, and we're all gonna take over this city. <laughs> Someone would have showed up and just chopped off his head. Like, yeah. he would not and have... set fire to the rest. While they were still in it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so when Doc all of a sudden... Is it Doc? Whatever. Yeah, it, it is. Yeah, Doc suddenly goes, Hey, Trojans! <laughs> <laughs> It's me, your favorite Greek king. Why doesn't Azor just walk up to that passenger and just go, right, touch you on the shoulder, done. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely no reason whatsoever. Yeah. No. No. Pisses me off. <laughs> Why did I like, want to like this episode? Wait, hang on. We were, we, were, we were tangenting elsewhere. I can't remember where we were heading. I'm sorry. I feel like I just got us no, off track there. Fi- there is no track. <laughs> we are just churning up mud here. Okay. Swimming in quicksand. Right. I would say there are more underwhelming temporal elements here. Right. said about how the Doc's retcon wasn't made to be because time was disintegrating and she took clever advantage of that fact. Mm -hmm. Also, I didn't like that the temple of Atropos back then when time was apparently running wild, you know, there weren't any more in place. So this was at maximum disintegration, maximum entropy, chaos, whatever. It could just be besieged with a standard full frontal assault. It was an army operation with artillery and, and Yaz... Yeah, by four four dudes. By four dudes, yeah, which was exactly like it was at the end of the last series. Even the gadget that they used to break open the door looked yeah. a lot like one of the ones that they took to the last seven humans in the galaxy to fend off the whole army of <laughs> right. yeah, like yeah, yeah. Exact same apparatus. <laughs> so that, that was annoying. But Yaz, as an old soldier, mentioned a temporal erasure option. And that was as close as we got. And I'm like, I want to see... What that entails. A, I want to see what that entails. And B, I want to see something other than completely standard physics and linear time taking place. Like, I want to see move and counter move. I want four-dimensional chess when you're messing with time and time and space have been decoupled and goodness knows what else. Yeah, that is a super-duper good point. You're right. So in in order to repair time, which is entirely broken, we proceed along a perfectly linear timeline. Yeah. And just fix it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that is a little bit disappointing. Yep. The, like, the only like there's thing, a leaky pipe. Yeah, the only thing that we get to see is occasionally it, time seems to pass very quickly and no one but the people who are in fractured time realize it. Like they, Dan Stevens yeah. and What's-Her-Face die. They're on a date. It's daytime. Click. It's nighttime. Oh, but that's in the center of the time storm. I, this but that is... also happens when Belle walks around. She sees Daleks at the start. Oh. She's walking around in a forest. Yes, it's yes. daytime, and then click, it's nighttime. Yes, you're right. Which I'm not sure what that means exactly, but uh, I like is that uh, no? You know what? Fuck it. All of time is broken, and yeah. when he's on that re-date with Die, that is just him experiencing that date again in broken time. So actually, no, that makes sense. Well, the fact that Belle experiences it as well, and she's not in the center of the time storm, seems to indicate there have been some spillover effects. So that's. That's fine. But they're not in the center of the time storm when that happens. That's them being pulled out of it. When one of two very lazy special effects. The rest of this episode is gorgeous, but there are two effects that are really lazy. And one of them is when they're floating around in the time stream and then all of a sudden they're pulled back. Oh, yeah. (laughs) 
and I'm assuming that means they're taken out of the time storm, time stream, whatever. Well, they're sucked out of the time storm back into somewhere in their time streams against the Doctor's will, except she's trying to hide them in their time streams because that's the best place for them. Although, no, because they are also being pulled into other people's time streams. That's why Yaz is acting as the old guy and... But a time stream surely must... that I mean, that's just stuff that happened, right? That's your time stream. Yeah. So if they're somewhere in their time stream, they're just somewhere in time and space. Yes. And Belle is also just somewhere in time and space. That's my point. Like, they've just been taken oh, out okay. of the storm. Gotcha. They're, they're now somewhere. It's just that that somewhere no longer makes sense because probably the Mori aren't all there. Well, then it's very annoying that... Yaz and Dan seem to be experiencing exactly the same thing as Belle when yeah, yeah. when mm. we were like, oh, but the second Swarm clicks his fingers, they will fall apart under the enormous temporal disintegration pressures. Yeah, what was he expecting to happen there? I mean, I, I, allegedly Ooh. he was expecting this entire episode to unfold exactly the way that it unfolded so that he could then yeah, be- beam out of there and win nothing. <laughs> yeah, because this was a win-nothing heist from the beginning. Mm. Although, when time runs wild, there's no such thing as a beginning. <laughs> <laughs> or a middle, or an end, or an act one, two, or three. Yeah. I don't buy that. I don't buy a, I've accomplished nothing exactly as I planned <laughs> kind of scenario. That just seems You fell for lazy. the oldest trick in the book, Doctor. Besting us when we wanted you to. <laughs> <laughs> Off we pop. <laughs> Literally. <Yeah. laughs> oh, crumbs. The other thing I was going to say was underwhelming temporally uh-huh. was how the Doc's like, the way we beat them in the past. The exact same thing will work again this time. <laughs> we can recycle the gambit wholesale, and they won't have learnt their lesson, and everything will be just just back to normal. And I was like, how? I mean, that absolutely encapsulates. That is the plus ultra of narrative laziness. Yeah, the the old copy-paste. Yeah, it gives the whole game away, unfortunately. Yeah. Like, I can't think of anything better, so I'm going to do the same shit thing twice. It's also possibly we're running out of airtime. <laughs> yeah. We are 42 minutes into a 48 ep- minute episode. Ah, but I will say in response to that, War of the Sontarans was an hour. So they were a bit more flexible, this series. If I. Well, I don't have a counter argument. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Leon. Time's more fluid, this series, for some oh, reason. Oh, why didn't I think of that? So. <laughs> And by fluid, I mean a steaming pile of jizz. (laughs) (laughs) Can I... Right, hang on, wait. So, we get to see Atropos, yada, yada, yada. There's a siege. Oh, my goodness. Hey, Odysseus, check this out. A CGI siege. (laughs) Swarm. Yeah. Struggling to remember his name. Swarm and Azure both get Carvinista cube. Stasis field. Stasis field cubed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, wouldn't that be useful? Or have been useful? Anytime. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, does Carvanista not care? Like, <laughs> I, I mean, I think the answer is no. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I suppose he's busy. Yeah. <sighs> oh, I don't know. I mean, oh, Dogs this, have huge hearts, like... but occasionally they just want to chase a ball or sleep. It's <laughs> <laughs> so, the exact same thing that Carvanista has witnessed before. We don't know if he's still in Division or not, but he's got this same thing. Like, he could do the universe a real solid. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, I've got a laser axe that 
uh, fixes problems yeah. <laughs> that our showrunner does know how to write us out of. Yeah, you've seen the squareness gun? I've got a cubeness gun. <laughs> <laughs> so, Swarm. I nearly forgot his name again. Yeah. I keep forgetting his fucking name. So, Swarm <laughs> gets cubed. Yeah, with the cubeness gun. Azure gets cubed. Yeah. Swarm gets put in prison, perfectly awake, aware for millennia. For the infinite for span of the millions universe. of years, for all we know. Yeah. Maybe when they said he's been there since the dawn of time, maybe he literally has. Maybe out of pure sadism, they grand serpented him to the very beginning of time, knowing that he would live forever the, and just jo- left him there. Yeah, Joe Martin's words, delivered by Jodie Whittaker, are isolation prison terms for the infinite duration of the universe. Right, well, right. that... I don't know what he did, but it seems like overkill. Okay, I'm just saying. that's That seems pretty bad. <laughs> but what about Azure? Why is Azure placed inside the body of some lady in Norway? Was it Norway? I think it was Norway. Arctic Circle. Oh, right. Sorry. Yeah. So it might have been. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, why? Why is she not also in a cell somewhere? Oh, my goodness. Yes. There's another unanswered question. Because we see her. Kill a passenger full of people. The exact same way Swarm does. She is an equal accomplice in every way. Apart of from the punishment. She of course she is. She's the one who kills the passengers. Yeah. She pulls the trigger. Yeah. She also melted those priest triangles in the last one. Yes. Yeah. She is a sadistic, sadistic character. Yeah, she is a bloodthirsty B-word. Yeah, she's, <laughs> to be clear... That B word is badass. Like, she is awesome. <laughs> Absolutely awesome. And I want to see more of her. But yeah, that seems a little imbalanced. Yes. And well, again, no possible reason. For and it. I'm sure we don't find out what happens there. Like, I'm sure we don't find out who her quote unquote partner is oh. in her alter ego life. No, there would have been a possibility there for that to have been maybe one of the Doctor's other two companions. Like, we don't know who yeah. Yaz and Vinda are playing. Exactly. But, yeah, that could be another Division operative who she is double-agenting and is lured into well, her plan. that kind of brings me back to the point of, did you not think that Division was all Time Lord? Because, so, so is you always going to live exactly as long as, uh, what's his face? Swarm! What is wrong with my brain tonight? <laughs> yeah, that's his name. So she's going to live for a long time as well. She's yeah. placed in, not Norway, with some dude who looks, I'm going to assume, human, but probably not. Maybe he's something else. But like, he, 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 some humanoids. Time Lords look pretty human. Sure. Is this person also committing to just having an eternal relationship with her in the Arctic Circle? Or are there shifts? What happens when they die from just old age and she continues to Highlander them? Do they bring someone <laughs> else in? They wipe her memory and like, boom, now you're going to have this partner for the rest of your life. Like, how does that work? Yeah, even a Time Put Lord. Put her in a cell. <laughs> even a Time Lord with a dozen regenerations isn't going to live forever. Exactly. How does she get away? Like, she is clearly stasis cubed. Yeah. And by the way, the cubeness gun is a tip of the hat to Chibber's previous episode, The Power of Three. Well done, Chibbers. Wait, hang on. It's wait, not how? Really, I just made that up. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's just we were mentioning the tally and oh, disappointing resolutions. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely no justification for differential treatment there. 
None whatsoever. Okay, can I take us in a very different di- direction? You must. There are those are the only directions available. I mean, it's not week. even that different because everything here is a little samey and a little different at the same time. But <laughs> before, no, at the siege of Atropos, when Dan Stevens is not Dan Stevens, and he, for no reason whatsoever, explains to Doc and his fellow division partners. This is what Nitro does. Right. Even though clearly they know what Nitro does because they're all on that team and I'm sure they're very born identity, all of them. Yeah. I've got about 11 Nitros of Reducer left. We use it when the doors go. Keeps us at blah, blah, blah. More exposition. Keep reading what Nitro does. Keeps us at normal speed but slows down the rest of the environment. We've got to make the most of it. Hmm. Exactly. Exactly. That look on your face, that is exactly what I wanted that to get at. That look of not having seen that at all. Exactly. We see that exactly once in this episode, and let me tell you, no fucking Nitro was involved. <laughs> Namely, at the very beginning, when Doc can move at normal pace, uh, but everyone else is slowed down. Uh, exactly. Uh, exactly. It's like you planned all of this. Like, that could You've have... swarmed me. If in that scene, the very beginning, she does exactly what she does now, but she alludes to, I'm just going to pick up this canister, and everyone in the audience, you and I, we look at this episode and we go, what canister? What? Fast forward to that point of the episode, the actual Siege of Atropos happens. They go, I'm going to put this canister of nitro down here. <laughs> yeah. And then hopefully use it. They don't use it. We know fast forward to the beginning of the episode. The canister is still there. That's yeah. how she gets over the she cliffhanger. She has a flicker of recognition. She doesn't Bingo. even realize how she recognizes it, but she knows what to do with it. Bingo. Oh my goodness. Is that not that a is, better retro rewrite? That is a brilliant retro rewrite. But it's such a weird thing to include at the start and then not feature in the episode that I wonder whether that may have been the original intention. Or something similar might have been the original intention. Maybe. Chibbers, if you're still listening, fair play to you. Let us know. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Yes, the exact MacGuffin was there all along. It was inside the temple all along. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Right. Oh, that's weird. Okay, I don't know. Do you want to take this in a particular direction? There was one nice touch uh-huh. that I made a note of where the doc says, sorry, I'm not trying not to be distracting, and she's levitating <laughs> several feet off the ground. Whilst gesticulating wildly. Yeah. <laughs> like the world's like, most... Mo- Whittakery nasty- Whittaker. Well, I was going to say most attention-starved poltergeist. But, yeah. <laughs> Don't mind me. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty nice. That's very good. <laughs> Joseph Williamson pops up in this one. Who's Joseph Williamson? He's the guy built, digging the tunnels, and he's got a laser gun oh, this right. time. Yeah, yeah, you're right, yeah. 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 Like, I, Feels like it doesn't amount to much. It doesn't, does it? I brought that up thinking it might go somewhere, but I guess they put him in the episode thinking like that go somewhere, and no. He saves Dan Stevens from the other bad effect. The second and otherwise only other bad effect in this serial, in this episode. Yeah. The cheapest blue yeah. swarm of bees or whatever. Exactly. The I've written them down as time mites. I think yes, they're referred yeah. to as mites at some point. The one scene where they look extra cheap is when Belle is running through the forest and there are two or three civilians, two civilians somewhere behind a tree. Yeah. And she's like, oh, maybe like, maybe don't run out into the clearing, you nincompoops. And they run into the clearing and then 1990 screensaver attacks them and disappears <laughs> them. <laughs> yep. But it does turn slightly purple as it attacks. So, you know. Mm. So, oh, 
Oh, nuance. Yeah. yeah. Okay, no, fair enough. What I'm saying is someone gave that a second thought. Yeah, that is nice. That, that's, <laughs> that is good. But I mean a second thought and this is what we got. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like they just clean forgot. And also, in fairness, this whole season looks like they have pumped so much money into this. Like, just yeah. such an insane amount of money into special effects and, and set design and, and outfits and everything. Just mm-hmm. Production value is off the chart. At some point, they're going to run out of money, and apparently this was it. <laughs> yeah. So, fair enough. I'm not going to hold it against them. And maybe the more details we could have perceived, the more questions we would have had. We might have started asking things like, well, what is what is the nature of time mites? Where did they come from? Where did they go? And Where did so you come from, Con Joe? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like, is it just pixels of time that have been shorn off the bark of the time tree? Like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> is Yggdrasil being pulled up by the roots? Like, <laughs> What's next, dude? I can think of one thing we haven't spoken about at all, really, that we probably should. Okay. Belle. Oh, Because yes. apparently this is her story. She narrates it. At several points, I've written, nine minutes, wasn't this supposed to be Belle's story? Twelve minutes in, still no Belle. <laughs> <laughs> this episode wins the Nobel Prize. Oh, Dear. 18 minutes in and finally there's bell i've written yeah. 18 minutes she is a breadcrumb throughout her own episode yeah mm. how, how do you feel about the whole bell story in general well the one thing i thought as episode three began was we don't need any more characters yeah no i got completely one agree instantly yeah and i remember that we were trying to imbue her with all sorts of significance like ooh. What is her baby? Like, does does that hold a twist? And no, it's just, no, it's, it's just, just a baby. Like, it's she's... just Linda's baby. It's, as you say, it's another family member to up his significance. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, except this one doesn't even have a line, so you can't even be mad at it. And instead, we get Belle, who is a crack shot and has some sort of relationship with her Tamagotchi Fitbit. Like, oh yeah, Tigmy. Tigmy, yeah. Tigmy is going on the window. It's in my notes. Uh... What is Tigmy? Is Tigmy? Like monitoring the signs of the child is is she communicating oh. with her unborn child? You know what? I didn't think about that. I kind of like that. If that's the thing, that's pretty cool. Is it an interface to speak with her baby? Yeah. It's, oh, that's badass. If that's the yeah. case, that's amazing. It's innovative and it's alien, and I think yeah. so because she is talking to it about Vinda in the in a way that makes it seem part of the family. I think you're completely right. I had not considered that at all. I did, that never occurred to me. That is a really cool idea. Yeah. It's an imaginative leap. Yeah. Hooray. Uh, well. Big yeah. universe. <laughs> yeah. There are long stretches and she doesn't... I partly alluded to this when I was saying die acts against no one, the doc acts against no one. So does Belle. Like, she has to walk around interacting with the scenery well, she, no, no, actually, she has that talk with the Cybermen, the fallen Cybermen. Yes, 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 yes. And I will say, I will say that when she is asked what her mission is and she says love and he's like, that does not, that is incorrect, whatever. And she says, love is the only mission, idiot. I thought Amy Pond could have delivered that line. Yep. Clara could have delivered that Absolutely. line. Absolutely worthy of any companion. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's just a shame that she isn't one. She's like a companion of a companion of a companion. <laughs> <laughs> Will she play a bigger role? I mean, feel free to spoil this for me. Is she going to... At some point, they're reunited, but is that the end of that arc? Or is she actually going to play a role? I think she bumps into one of our vast cast of characters, comes along with them for a while, then at the end is reunited with Vinda. Boom, they're done. Right, okay. Yeah. Kiss, presumably, and scene. <laughs> okay, yeah. They fulfilled their mission. Hooray! Yeah, fair enough. She may have some, you know, pivotal, crucial part to play, but it's just in the service of the plot, you know. I don't think... No, I don't know. I just don't know. There's too much going on. There, there is, yeah. What the hell is up with Orsock? Wait, who's Orsock? Orsock is... <laughs> The aged version of Kerry Mulligan, whom the Doctor gets to meet and tells her that it's not Kerry Mulligan, but I spent the whole time thinking, that looks like Kerry Mulligan in old makeup. Has she come back? No. Wait, what? Oh, you mean... Uh... I mean, the one who tells the Doctor that the flux was deliberate and it was started entirely because of the Doctor. Isn't that... What's her face? Tectoon. Exactly. Yes. But yeah. in this episode, for some reason, she's called Orsock. Oh, is she? Yeah. I missed that. <laughs> Did write... What? We haven't had a single drink this this week. <laughs> so we were going to have a drink every time there was a mention of Tech Tune. And there she freaking is. And she's wearing her Raiden hat. And yeah. she doesn't even get name-checked. Nope. Tech Tune okay. is not in the transcript. It's Orsock. Stop fighting now, Doctor. You think you can navigate all those time streams without anyone noticing? Orsock, Orsock, Orsock. Okay, fine. I don't know why they're called Orsock. Okay, unanswered question number 20. <laughs> why is Tech Tune now called Orsock? Presumably she regenerated. It's an odd thing actually i'm trying to remember how i felt about this or what i theorized in this regard when this first aired because i haven't watched this is this was only the second time that i've seen this episode yeah and the first time around i won't have realized that it was tech to this time around i know that it's tech to i mm. think this is even the screenshot that i used for the vindex icon for tech to like the, oh wow the, i know that it is yeah. So I didn't question it. But actually, this is just one more character that's thrown into the mix in this episode of like w- with without being grounded, without being told. So it's just more mm. mystery. Like oh the Doc was part of division and had companions that we never meet. Oh, Doc goes into her past and meets this person with a radar hat whom we don't learn anything more about. Yeah. It's just there there are too many characters we don't get to know. This person, even though, yes, we now in hindsight know that it's Tectune, this person is exactly as grounded as the not-Norwegian partner of Azure in not-Norway. Well, I would argue that Tectune the first time around was barely grounded in any way. That's true, but we have context for her, or them. Yes, but it's so... We have a sketch of what they did, but you have to infer everything from that. Like, what was... was we saw just Tectoyun murdering, essentially, a succession yeah. of children. Yeah. They all happened to be the same being, but yes. nonetheless, multiple lives were kind of lost. Ended. Yeah, yeah. Ended. Perfect. Yes. Not perfect. Stop it, Tectoyun. <laughs> and we don't know whether she was acting entirely on her own. We didn't have her embedded in the society at all. As you say, ungrounded. The, what are they called? The Shabogans? Shabogans, yes, exactly, yeah. yeah. And we didn't know what happened to her after that. Like, what was her trajectory as a time lord slash lady and not a Shabogan? And, and what's she doing here? Like, There's so much in between. We've got the absolute beginning, a consequence in the middle, and now the end. And it's all so unconnected. Like, no, it's, it's not enough. We don't know her. Because, okay, we only met the Norwegian guy for 
seconds. Yeah. But well, that's my unless, point. He unless is, he's a division agent. Well, he, he must be. He must be. Exactly. But this woman has a history basically as rich as the doctors. Yeah. She was there right at the beginning. She is now here in the 13th iteration. She seems to exist outside the universe. She has this unimaginable power. And longer than Doc's, in fact, because she was yeah. an adult when Doc was just a child. Well, we don't know what the Doctor's pre-timeless child history was, even. Oh, I suppose that is true. Yeah. Maybe you could regenerate into the form of a child. But, yeah, yeah. Tectaeon has been, as long as there has been a Time Lord society, Tectaeon has been there. Yeah. She has seen everything, apparently. She is as close to God as we're going to get in the Doctor Who universe, and it will not be enough. She could have a whole series to herself, and we will get to the end of this series, and she will be bested or repelled or thrown into some other universe. And yeah, it's exactly as bad as the Norwegian, because we're actually interested in this person. Norwegian, okay, you can you can have collateral side characters just be discarded, but Tektoyun, no. Tektoyun yeah. has to be given her dues. Otherwise, this whole timeless child thing, why bother? Yes, the only reason I'm hesitating is that I'm assuming that that's still to come. Potentially. Oh, wait, no? Oh, you mean in... Oh, I thought you meant in, like, the new RTD era. No, no, in Flux. Tectaeon does come back, and there there are more interactions. Okay. But I'm remembering a strong sense of still being dissatisfied. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, that is... There is more. We get a little more, but... Not nearly enough to match her significance. That is surprising. Yeah. Okay. Is it though? <laughs> well, it's less and less surprising. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. Barbara Flynn plays Orsock slash Tectoon. Who's Barbara Flynn? She's played Aunt Hermione in The Durrells, Judith Fitzgerald in Cracker. And whom did she play in Poirot? Oh, you knew I was getting to No, that, I'm just yeah? assuming. <laughs> she has been in an episode of Poirot. Which one's that? A big episode. Which she one? played Mrs. Allerton in Death on the Nile. Oh my goodness. Mm. That is two or three episodes away from my current rewatch. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, get ready to think. Is that Carrie Mulligan? I think so. She's way too old. Next one is Roger Ackroyd. Yeah. I think so. Oh, very good stuff. Mm. Mm. All right, I'll keep an eye out. And while I'm at it, Thaddea Graham played Belle. Okay. Craig Parkinson played the Grand Serpent. He was in Misfits. Is. I never watched. Oh, you know, Misfits. Of course, yeah. Sean? Sean in Misfits. I don't remember a Sean in Misfits. Okay. 11 oh. episodes, apparently, but I've never seen it. I remember thinking yes. the first time I saw this, and this time I didn't necessarily think of that again, but I did remember thinking it the first time I saw it, that he and Swarm were potentially the same character. Yes, you mentioned this as a possibility a couple of episodes ago. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, yeah it goes to show how good my memory is. Uh, yeah. It's not the same actor, then. No. In fact, Young Swarm and Old Swarm are played by two different actors, so there are three actors involved. Wow. Wait, that's mad. Yeah. That is that is actually mad. Why would you cast another person to play an- the same character behind just a different bit of plastic? Yeah, behind enormous volumes of prosthetics. Redonkulous. <laughs> it's a bit strange. Okay, I've got two super-duper quick bullet points. Okay, what have you got? have it. Oh, we have a little... Do you want a ping and pong? Yeah. All right, ping. Ping me. The Doc does have a little bit of interaction with Yaz. She's Mardi with her again at the end of the episode. When? Where? How? Yaz is saying, well, what does this mean for you? Like, aren't you in in danger, Doctor? Oh, yes. And like, Yaz, do I have to explain everything to you? You're so codependent. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's true. That's like the only human interaction that Yaz has in this episode. 
Oh, yes. No, she's also interacting with her sister slash Doc. Oh, surely you're going to bring up the angels as the Pong? Well, I am now, yeah. (laughs) Because what the hell was that about? Wait, so the angels have infiltrated their PlayStation or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. How and why? Mmm. Quite genuinely. Wait, hang on. I can think of one possibility. Okay. We see an angel inside the time storm. For some reason, there's an angel in there. Yes. And Doc goes, wait, what are you doing inside the time storm or at the time stream? One of those two. And it does its cheap popping effect and disappears. So maybe it's also cast across the same fragmented time stream into Yaz's time stream in this case and ends up inside her Nintendo or PlayStation or Xbox <laughs> well, the, or whatever. The fact that it ends up there rather than just in the room with her. Yeah, it's pretty dumb. It's like, I, I get that... There are several angels inside the game. Yes. And I get that it's not all packs and discs anymore. Like There is also streaming of games, so I guess the angel could have just popped there through the internet. But yeah... Otherwise, someone had to have coded this angel. <laughs> that, did, that did strike me as well. Like, did someone design this? <laughs> someone, someone made a 64-bit 3D avatar. <laughs> it, it, it looks a little shit. <laughs> well, okay. Angels apparently are able to pilot TARDISes. So why yeah. couldn't they code their own video games? That is, yeah, that is, um, I guess that is a fair point, yeah. If we're going to say that anyone is able to do anything, then why are we even doing this? Uh, you're right. <laughs> that is an awesome cliffhanger. Oh, very much so. How does it happen? People are constantly looking at it. The lights are flickering on and off. Oh, is that it? Oh, that is yeah. it. I see. Yeah, yeah, the TARDIS is struggling. It's straining. It's in the most difficult situation it's ever been in. And yeah, it, it's constantly pulsing yellow, black, yellow, black. And in the interstices, oh, yeah. That was great. It's awesome, yeah. yeah. In fact, of the two bullet points that I had for you originally before you brought up the angels, the second <laughs> one was literally just awesome cliffhanger. Yeah, and... So cool. Also, I liked that it was nice and fast this time. Like, you have to have a slightly different kind of cliffhanger every week. Like, before, you could see the flux approaching the TARDIS the first time around. It was very, like, oh, nice big build-up. This time absolutely no way of being prepared for shit there's an angel oh crap it's got the controls and they can't stop it and boom episode ends and you're left breathless yeah that is pretty great Mm. what happened to the TARDIS by the way was it last week that the TARDIS was infected by some weird black gloop yes and I think that's why we've had doors on the floor and in various places oh I see warped dimensions I, I think you're right I think that is an unanswered question in my notes, and I've just put it down to fucking with time. Yeah, who cares? <laughs> who cares? It yeah. does not render the cliffhanger any less amazing. No. Yeah, and goodness knows where they're going next because I didn't want to. I didn't want to know. I've learnt. No more next time on Doctor Who's for me. I'm going in cold. Oh, next time is going to be so good, though. Yeah. Oh my goodness, it's going to be so good. Yeah. So I did have one more question. My first question, in fact. Oh right. Uh, but we've just ended on something very positive. Shall we end on something positive, or shall I ask this question? I mean, in keeping with what's to come, I think you should ask the question. What the hell is Vinda supposed to do on a dead planet? Oh. Yeah, just kick cans around sorrowfully. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, why, why why leave him there? Why yeah, go there? Just abandon him. Like the guy has has just come back from years or decades at the arse end of nowhere. Yeah, and, and you're consigning him to that same fate. <laughs> exactly. 
rule. Why does he say, can, hey, your TARDIS can take me anywhere, take me to this planet with no one left on it? Why doesn't he go, take me to my partner and my unborn child? Who? That's the whole nature of my arc. We are to be reunited. Your TARDIS, I feel, could accomplish this for me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that is what he says, isn't it? That's why he gets in. He's like, let's go anywhere. Let's find her. And it's like, oh, she can't possibly be here. Well, Leave me here, was, then. That was my one shot. <laughs> no further ideas. Yeah, yeah. Which could equally be the tagline. <laughs> no further ideas. <laughs> Please, no further ideas. Just resolve the ones that you have engaged. I've just written that down just in case that ends up being the one-line resume uh, uh, summary of this episode. No further ideas. <laughs> I will just say in response to the angels thing that we just yeah? talked about. Yeah, yeah. Sonia's response is classic when Yaz throws down the console. Do you want me to be single forever? Yeah, I have sort of a love-hate relationship with that line, but actually, in retrospect, it's pretty solid. That is, yeah. That's a good comedy line. Mm. Well done. Well done. Well, I guess we finished on a positive after all. I think so. How about we try to rate this? Ooh, let's. And now it is time to rate this. Did we laugh or hate this? Bing bong, bing bong, hey, la 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 la. Ratings. Shazamatron Podcast Land, and welcome to the hour minis section of this podcast episode. Holy smokeroonies and cheesecakes. This week we have two hour minis. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> whoop, whoop. Indeed. Yikes, caramba. And, um, I believe. Wait, hang on. Uh, uh, am I going first? I think I'm going first. Am I going first? May I request that you go first? Just I so shall I, go first. Just so I can get an idea of the ballpark, because I am all <laughs> at sea. Okay, sure. But before... I'm not even sure there are any ballparks in the sea. No, that's, that is completely fair and understandable. Let me tell you beforehand, I have been on a journey with this rating. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get to it. Okay, right. So let me start by saying that we usually say that episodes that actually deal with time travel in this TV show that deals with time travel are the best ever. Well... <laughs> This may just be the exception for me. It fell flat. Often. Not all the time, but often. Doc was fine, although... Wow. Jodie Whittaker's arm sort of at it again. The companions were okay, as long as they were themselves, but the actors excelled at being other people entirely. Even Yaz, who wasn't even allowed to be a proper speaking part, or have a proper speaking part, when she wasn't playing Yaz. Except when she was playing the bald guy in that gigantic room where Vinda got his full motion. Is that really the best use of space? Anyway. (laughs) Office space. Also, Vinda, can I say this? Is he is he a companion now? Is Belle a companion now? We talked about this uh, podcast land. Between ending the last segment and starting this segment, we pressed stop and we talked about what to add in the Vindex. Are they companions now? The shit, this show is gaining companions the way that I gain pounds in an Italian bakery. I am not on board. <laughs> oh, man. All right. You can't keep Vinda out of the Vindex. They are made to go together. (laughs) No, no, no. Cool it, Chibbers. You have had enough. I'm cutting you off, man. (laughs) Right. Next bullet point. The Ravagers. They are crazy bonkers, but they're barely used here. And the Grand Serpent, he seems a slippery bastard, but we learn nothing about him. So, okay, that's kind of a nothing bullet point in my nemesis segment, you know. Mm. He will get developed. I recall him showing up in our present day in Unit. Does he yeah. run Unit or something like that? Yeah. Something, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. He yeah. deep undercover. Oh, yeah, I'm super looking forward to that. But in this episode, if I'm imagining that I'm watching this for the first time ever, here's a bad guy who has not been developed. He's been yeah. introduced and he's just generic bad guy. Yeah, he's bad. He's just a douchebag politician. 
He's a space Putin. Yeah, no, he, no, don't give him that, that credit. He is, <laughs> he is space Sunak. And I'm... <laughs> oh, wow. And, yeah, no, I look forward to him evolving into something more interesting, but so far, I'm not feeling it. He's not even a space Lukashenko. A production value is off the chart as per huge, which I think can be said about this whole season with the soul, or at least the main exception of the blue mites, as we talked about, the time mites that was taken straight out of Sequest DSV. Greatest asset... <laughs> What a cliffhanger, and oh man, what a next time on Doctor Who. That certainly looks promising, I can't wait for that to happen. Biggest flaw, nothing happens, except the stuff that does, but that doesn't actually happen either, so you know what, nothing happens, and we've just lost a week (laughs) of our lives. Main takeaway, oh, you'd like a pager, Vinda? Sure, no biggie, I have one lying around because I never gave it to my old companions. Here you go, rating. (laughs) Here's where the journey comes in. I've settled on a 2.1. Right. I started, before you arrived here today, dude, I started on a 2. Oh. Then you talked me down to a 1.7. Okay. But then you... (laughs) But back then, my main takeaway, the main takeaway section in my little bullet point list, it was something, something about Tamagotchis and like... uh, The me. Exactly. Like, if you see me doing kissy faces at a Tamagotchi or a Fitbit, just like, just kill me and then you explained to me you opened my eyes to what take me is and that as a concept is actually just incredibly clever i love it as an idea so yeah i'm back up to 2.1 right yeah there you go okay well deserved chibbers well done you just under half (laughs) (laughs) i don't feel so bad about my rating now cool great okay my review is weirdly parallel to yours oh yes perhaps from a parallel universe indeed we may get to that i do love a good mess with the fabric of reality yeah see any number of house dream sequences episodes see also the wedding of river song nice where yeah, sure. roman emperor winston churchill is driving a train into the pyramids or whatever <laughs> i think that one did much better with it agreed and i think to have our second medley of mayhem in three episodes which throws all the narrative rules out the window taking us up to the halfway point of the series by way of yet more scene setting and still perilously little orientation for our ever-expanding cast of characters is perhaps a test of one's patience Maybe this is why I couldn't remember a thing about this episode. It's all jingles and snatches of melody without a big rousing chorus to hold it together. Okay, we, earn a, we learn a little bit more about Vinda, but is that really enough? No, patently not. <laughs> no. Also, Jodie is at her best when she's taking the initiative, when she's being active. Whenever in the first two s- series of her run she was super passive that was when we felt she was least doctor light the series was least doctor who it just had that much less going for it here time is playing games with them all apparently the more he inform her and the doctor is countering this somehow by purportedly magnificent exertion she's putting her own existence at risk as she's going to be torn apart but she wants to learn about her past but it's also abstract It's about as grounded as Mr. Arctic Circle, who was so ungrounded we didn't know anything about his ground beyond the latitude. Or Tecteon, who was left behind the universe and all grounds therein. There is absolutely no way of knowing what she is doing, of sharing in her struggle. And we get two utterly indigestible gobfuls of space and time (laughs) waffle. 
from Swarm. There's hand-waving and then there's this. There was a story a few years ago where scientists were trying to see round corners by recreating a visual image of another room based on how the light from that room dispersed within the room they were in. And I feel like this is Chibber's philosophy for treating the Doctor's days in division. We just have to guess from shadows and scintillas what the hell it's all supposed to amount to. So it's a little unfortunate that this is probably the closest we will get to plumbing what could be the interesting sections of his fresh new backstory slash mega retcon for the Doctor's minus N incarnations. And wouldn't you know, John Burroughs once handily said to the Doctor his most famous phrase, accessible at any of myriad inspirational quote websites. I'm sure that's not what happened during the script writing process, how dare you? But there are lots of nice touches. We've mentioned a lot of the funny lines of the great cliffhanger. When Doc is fully herself in the present day kind of temple of Atropos, she yeah. stares at her reflection a while where Joe Martin had previously appeared and Joe Martin doesn't. And that is very poignant. And there are lots of little directorial flourishes and zingy transitions from Azure Salim, who I think this might be his first episode. We have Tigmi. Alphorus Extant is a cool name for a planet. It hints at a history. There are still glimpses of this being an enormous universe. But yeah, boy, who's leading us through it? Like, it is baffling. There is still so much potential, and I did enjoy the spectacle. And this all amounts to a very flim-flammy 2.7. Fantastic. Wow, you have a huge heart. Well done, sir. 2.7, eh? Yeah. Right, yeah. Fantastic, Mini. Uh, good stuff, man. Uh, it's going to get better. <laughs> yeah, at least, yeah, at least for one episode. At least for one episode. Is it the episode after that that starts with a train? I just had a flashback. Weirdly, literally seconds ago, I had a flashback of an... I think that's the power of the Doctor. Is it? It starts in a train. It's a train through space, and yep. people are on the roof of it. Yep. It's the power of the Doctor. Is that the power of the Doctor? Yeah, that's Dan's leaving scene. Like, he has a close shave. Oh, I see. With his astronaut suit, and he's like, yeah, I'm leaving for no reason. Ah, my contract's over. Yeah, Yeah, I can't do the accent. Uh, Okay, cool. Oh, so that's not the next one. There are fun elements left in Flux after the Village of the Angels, when there are three Jodie Whittakers at once. I really enjoyed that one. I don't remember that at all. I cannot wait. I'm super... You know what? Actually, this is a super hugely positive grade to dole out. I am so excited about the continuation of Flux. Mm-hmm. Like, really, truly excited. And part of that, yes, is I know that the next episode, I remember the next episode being ingenious to some some degree. I don't remember how. But I'm oh, yeah, genuinely yeah. Ex- excited about There's, this season. The, with the angels, lots of messing around with time there. Exactly. Well. Yes. yes. That might be a little darky. Did you watch Dark? Oh, right. Yes. Oh, no, such a good show. I didn't watch show. it, but I know what it is. Oh my God, watch it. So good. Anyway, yeah. Um, oh, listen to minis, listen to minis, bing bong, bing bong, listen to minis. <laughs> <laughs> That's a new theme song. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's listen to some listen to minis, listen to minis then. <laughs> listen to minis, now let's hear from podcast land. Max 250, or it would get out of hand. Shazamatron and Cheesecakes Podcast Land, welcome <laughs> to the listener mini section of this podcast episode. We have one, two, three, four, five listener minis for your listening pleasure tonight. Boop, 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 boop. And here are the first three in their full splendor. Boop, boop, boop. <laughs> <laughs> first out the gate, holy smokes. Oh my god, we read this guy out last week or two weeks ago. Did we have a break last week? Whenever it was. Last time we did an episode, it's the Doctor Gamer. Hello, Doctor Gamer. Hello, Doctor Gamer. 
adding yet another character to our enormous cast? (laughs) (laughs) Dr. Gamer starts, this episode is a bit of a mess, to be honest. There are a few interesting scenes, but it's fairly shit compared to War of the Suntarans. And even Village of the Angels, which comes after it. Yeah. But there are some pros. Ooh. The fact that we get to see Joe Martin's Doctor yet again is brilliant, even if it is only for one scene. Mm-hmm. And this episode has a real sense of scale due to all of the locations that we go to. One thing Chibnall is very good at is putting our characters in cool and creative settings. He's certainly very good at putting them in settings. Yep. The Doctor Gamer also has a list of... Cons. First con. The pacing is a bit shit, to be honest. Second, some of the dialogue is very clunky, which, quite frankly, is to be expected from Jim at this point. And last, some of the CGI is not done well at all, and it's quite distracting at times. Yeah, sure. All right. Yeah, I would say the clunky dialogue. Belle had a couple of good lines, but... Yeah. Yeah. I really felt her isolation when she was having to chew her way through some of those paragraphs i have another love-hate relationship with this episode and it's specifically with the part where she lasers a whole bunch of cybers who have infiltrated her spaceship yes i meant to put in my rating how firefights in general just don't have them anymore it's always annoying how all the cybers can't shoot for toffee yeah the good guys will always win yeah here's a person whom we've established has a kid in her tum yeah. Whom she can speak to through a Tamagotchi. Maybe have her emote that she has more to lose than just her cool. Yeah. Yeah, because the only slightly redeeming feature for me of that utterly pointless firefight was the roll she did and the shot from underneath up at the Cyberman. But yeah, if she has more to lose, then that's not a maneuver that she's just going to leap into. <laughs> yeah, super good point. Yeah, absolutely. <sighs> So just like, just have her feel like, oh shit, this is the two of us can't get assimilated. Like we need to, yeah. Th- th- this, th- I can't let this happen. Just have her emote something other than, I am invincible. Don't worry, I have a laser blaster with infinite bullets. Done. Yeah. And in uh, general, the spectrum pretty much goes from cerebral and interesting to firefight at the other extreme. Right? Yeah, exactly. So just, just stop having them. We don't need them. Yeah. Anyway, I believe Dr. Gamer concludes with something. Yes, Dr. Gamer concludes. Overall, I feel like the story isn't terrible, but it's far from being good. So I'm going to give it a 2.5. Here's my friend who slightly agrees with me more. Here's my friend who agrees with me slightly less than he agrees with you. More. (laughs) Good summation. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much to the Dr. Gamer. Right, next up it's GP Haynes. <gasps> GP, I said G, you said P. G, P, G, P. Yeah, that's right. Hello, GP. Hi, GP. Oh my god, we just freaking nailed that. Mm. Nice one. Super fast. GP says, I really wanted to like these Flux episodes more, mm. but. <laughs> oh, the gorgeous visuals and production are just not enough to make up for the lack of writing. We are left with a disjointed, jumbled mess of an episode with few coherent passages. GP likes the idea of it. The Doctor passing through different streams in time, companions 
hiding in their time streams. It sounds great, but it flicks quickly from shot to shot with little explanation for much of the dialogue. Do we accept these bold new ideas from modern Doctor Who? Hmm. Some of the individual stories are great, says GP Haynes. Vinders was interesting. Yaz in the police car was great. Mm, Heck, ah, even yes, yes, the angels creeping up in the police car—that was nice. That yeah, that is true. That was yeah, with the exception of the PlayStation scene, angels were treated well here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Even Dan's date night was atmospheric with a sinister, creepy background vibe. Says GP Haynes. And then it's all spoiled by super fast exposition and description as it judders quickly to the next scene. This is a real problem in this season in particular. An all-encompassing universe-wide problem that should make a great six-episode arc. But even six episodes are not enough for Chibis to adequately explain his ideas. It might have been Drew that said in the past that everything has to be bigger, with more at stake and kudos to Chibis for giving it a go. Pity, it just doesn't work here. I take full responsibility. (laughs) (laughs) It's entertaining to a point, then it just feels hollow. And GP concludes with an apology. Sorry, he can't go higher than 1.3 cute little hand robots with heart emojis. I can't disagree. (sighs) It's a pretty pretty good rating. Very, very good mini. It's on point. Oh, well done, GP. You've done it again. (laughs) People who are not GP, head on over to the interwebs. Find GP on Insta and YouTube. Just to look for at... Finding G-Spots. Yeah, you betcha. (laughs) Thank you very much, GP. Who's next? Why, next up, it's Tan Six Fingers. Pow, 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 pow. All six of them. Hello, Tans. Everyone plugging. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, Tans. Tan says, hello, Leon and Drew. First off, says Tans, I have loved every minute of Flux, except maybe the initial cold open. But this is my favorite episode. Wow. There's always someone, right? There's always There always yeah. has to be someone. Yeah. Every episode has its home. <laughs> Second, says Tans, I got a lot of Red Dwarf vibes from this season. From Dan's accent and Vinda's look reminding me of Dave Lister. To the Division body armor and overly large guns. Bazookoids, anyone? Unlike you Brits, says Tans. Where's Tans from? Tans must be from the States. Is Tans from the States? He puts the Tans in Tansmania. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Unlike you, Brit, says Tans, none of the guest cast were familiar to me. I don't know John Bishop from anything. In fact, the last guest on New Who I knew was Maisie Williams. Yeah, well, I don't know you from anything either. (laughs) (laughs) Damn it, I need to hold the door back. The BBC lawyers are encroaching again. (laughs) Tans gathers the people in the flashback are Carvanista, Lee and Gat. I forgot about Lee. Who's Gat? Oh, Gat is... The one in Fugitive of the Jadoon. No, that's Lee, surely. Yes, Lee also is in Fugitive of the Jadoon as Ruth, Clayton's companion. Exactly. But Gat? Gat is the one who Joe Martin says, I wouldn't fire that if I were you. <gasps> yes! Yes! Holy shit snacks, Tans, you have freaking nailed it. Yes, that's mm. exactly who it is. Right, so... Well why, done. But why then, if... All the doctor needs to do is this one last job before retirement. Yeah. And they do it and they achieve it and yeah. they are successful. Would Gat then want to kill her? Like the Carvanista wants to kill her. What oh, yeah. Gat happens? is like a bad guy. 
in that one. Yeah, definitely an opponent. Maybe, maybe later in this series, Tectoyun turns everyone against the Doctor. Maybe. <sighs> I'm going to say I assume that doesn't happen because otherwise you would remember it. I would have forgotten about it, but you would remember it. I forget a whole ton, but... If that happened, why hasn't there been a reckoning between the Doctor and Carvanista being like, no, I didn't do any of that? Like, Wasn't reckoning the subtitle of one of the latter Highlander movies? That's why. <laughs> <laughs> right. So anyway, Tans continues. In season one, episode 10, The Doctor Dances. Uh-huh. Captain Jack says that when he was a time agent, he woke up one day and they had erased two years of his memories. Oh. What if he was working with the Doctor in Division then? Oh, wow. Because it was a time agency. Maybe they knew he would meet the Doctor later on and wouldn't be able to keep it a secret. This sounds like a good scenario for a spin-off, says Tans. Tans, you're wrong. This sounds like a fucking excellent scenario <laughs> for a spin-off. That is really good. Stephen Moffat oh. has heard this and is like, memory wipe. Oh, whole <laughs> as, series. As, as soon as this erection subsides, I am writing that episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Well done. And Tans. that's why he never got around to writing. <laughs> <laughs> well done. That is, that's such a good retro rewrite. Tans, you've given him a forever erection. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Tans continues, is Belle talking to her child through that device, or is it just a toy with an AI? Well, I think Drew's already answered that question. Yeah, it's the kid. Yeah, seems so. Yeah, I thought it was a Tamagotchi, but no, I much prefer it being the kid. (laughs) I'm going to read out this next one, because you need to hear it. If Belle is pregnant, how long is her gestation? Here's my friend who agrees with me. He's not showing. Oh, he agrees with me too. <laughs> it seems like Vinda was on that space station for five years or more. Or are they just in different places in their timelines? I think this is just an alien thing. So she's going to be pregnant for like 12 years, give or take. And <laughs> yeah, that's fine. In the meantime, she's got a Tamagotchi. Imagine what that species was like before they had Tamagotchis. And they were just pregnant mm. for 12 years firing lasers at Cybermen and doing somersaults willy-nilly and no one no one knew. Now they do. Yeah, yeah, and that's why they were able to develop the Tamagotchis because they were like, they clearly know what's going on in there. Exactly. There was a way to communicate with exactly. them. Exactly. Yeah. This is like, uh, yeah, developing in a uh, some sort of AI device that allows you to communicate with a dog. Mm. Yeah. Or just uh, paying attention to your damn dog. Don't rely on technology podcast land. Yeah, that's true. But like having it speak to you in English. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Or in any other language. Evie just has to look at me and I know what she wants. It's weird. Oh, I, <laughs> I feel the same. And every single time she looks at me, she goes, hey, Uncle Leon, treats, please. <laughs> <laughs> that's not her only look. She has other looks. Yeah, sometimes she goes, treats now. <laughs> <laughs> Shortly after treats, please, hasn't met with the right response. <laughs> Leon, finish this. Bring us home. Oh, Tan's Six Fingers concludes by giving this 4.5 Maury Priests out of 5. Wow. Wow. And the Oscar for Biggest Heart goes to <laughs> Tan's Six Fingers. <laughs> Holy smokerinis and cheesecakes. Well done, Tan's. Mm. People who are not Tan's can follow Tan's on the old socials at Tan's Six Fingers and... Tan's Six Fingers. Correct. The word. <laughs> Thank you very much, Tans. Who's next? Snippages henceforth. Why, <laughs> next up, we're snipping Kieran Evans. Snip, snip. Oh, hello, Kieran. Hi, Kieran. And Kieran says, this is an odd app. I don't dislike it, but I won't be rushing to rewatch it. 3.0 out of 5. Mm. 
Solid rating from a solid dude. Thank you very much, Kieran Evans. My, People- my heart seems smaller by the review. <laughs> Peeps, what are not Kieran? You know the drill, a doodle. Head on over to the old online Aroonies and find your nearest purveyor of electric vans at KJ Evans 2. Silently glide on over there. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much, Kieran. Who's last? Last. Last. <laughs> it's Isaac. Hello, Isaac. Isaac says, snip, snippity, snip, 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 and then some, and then he concludes with. Flux really peaks in the middle. And he gives this. Holy smokes. Tans, give me back that Oscar, please. That Oscar needs to go to <laughs> Isaac because Isaac has given this. Wowie, hold on to your britches. 4.7 out of 5. Mm. I feel like it would be condescending to say wow. So I'll just say. Mm. <laughs> Holy smokes. Gigantic heart. Oh, yeah. both of you, in fact. You know what? Two Oscars. <laughs> <laughs> Jody playing a super trivial PC was fun. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Isaac. People who are not Isaac, please head on over to Twitter and follow Isaac at... Ms. Monster Adams or MS Monster Adams, I'm not sure. That's Adams with one D. That's Adams with one D. doodle doo <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Isaac. Thank you, everyone, who sent something in for this episode. I have had an absolute blast, even though you you have had such a long day, dude. (laughs) (laughs) This Uh, has been a blast, though. Good. I'm glad. Yeah, you're my friend who agrees with me. Mm. This is not the last of Doctor Who. Thank goodness there's still a tiny bit left. (laughs) (laughs) Next up, we're back in Classic Who territory with the greatest show in the galaxy, after which we're back in new territory with... Village of the Angels. Oh, my God. Oh, that's going to be great. I cannot wait. Six to go. Yeah. Yikes. Whoa! I mean, it's something similar in the classic Who. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At some point, we're going to do an audio because we have said that we will do this. Yep. So many times. So we must. So we must. Yeah. Hey, a promise is a promise. What is it? It's Doctor Who Redacted. It's an official part of Jodie Whittaker's era. That's Yeah, exactly. We must. If for no other reason than certainly for that reason, but also because I hear it's great. Bonus Who Territory. Yeah, go cool your boots, podcast land. Watch this space. There'll be bloopers in July, maybe. Yeah, something cool will turn (laughs) up. But in the meantime, you can also say hello to us. Drew, you are no longer on the social media what's-its. No, but I'm drowning under an avalanche of emails at whobackwhen at gmail.com. That's right. If you send something to whobackwhen at gmail.com or if you contact at whobackwhen on Twitter, that that goes to all of us. Yep. Yeah. You can say hi to me as well individually. I am super active on Twitter. I just lining Elon's pockets every day. Every single goddamn day. (laughs) (laughs) I am at Ponken, P-O-N-K-E-N. Podcast Land, thank you so much for listening. Until the next time, please continue to be rad and excellent to one another. Rock on and... (sighs) Cha-chao. Bye-bye. Kablamo! Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of who back when. Tell your friends! But I've got no friends! No problemo, tell some strangers! Hey! Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash who back when. All in one word. Are you into Twitter? Awesome! High five us online and we'll high five you right back. You guessed it, we're at who back when. All in one word. 
Check us out on Instagram for behind-the-scenes photos and other Whovian goodness. Watch our videos or even listen to our podcast on YouTube. That's whobackwhen.com slash YouTube. Vote us up on Reddit, listen to us on Stitcher, and head on over to our website, whobackwhen.com, where you can submit a review of your own, browse the article archives, and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters, and more, which increases in Kablamos with every episode. And lastly, give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points. That's it. Rock on and be rad and excellent to each other. Catch your earballs in our next Who review or bonus episode. Until then, cha ciao. Who back when?